I'm Tyreek. Hi, I'm Nathan Fouts. And I'm Jim, and this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. Tyreek, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Uh, I'm Tyreek. I make video games. I'm currently working on one called Catacomb Kids, and another one called UFO 50. And uh, Nathan, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Yeah, I'm Nathan. Uh, I run Mommy's Best Games, and we are currently releasing Game Type DX to the PlayStation 4 and 5. It is also on the Switch and the Xbox One currently, and it is a high-score shoot-em-up that takes place in an Xbox 360 dashboard full of ads. Was this the game that we discussed last time that where you had to mm-hmm. implement a museum for the game to exist in so that it makes sense for the user? That's that's the one, and uh, probably surprising to no one, it's taken months to get it approved by Sony. They were displeased by... Um, yeah, okay. If, you, if you'd gone with Blades, then it would have been fine. <laughs> it would have been awesome. <laughs> I should have... You know what's funny? It took so long, and I was not going to make them all different, but I went ahead and did at this point. So now there is a, an exclusive one on the Switch and the Sony and the PlayStation. The PlayStation one has a, a blue um, dashboard. Like <laughs> all, the, all the little tiles are blue. So And the Switch one has a red one. So it's kind of fun. And I changed um, some goofy ads around. And uh, I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings at Sony. So, but it is finally coming out, uh, November seventeenth. I'm so happy um, to get it to get it out, and it's looking cool. Awesome, thanks, man. So, if it's not already obvious, this is the episode where I am recording while incredibly congested. I'm gonna try my best not to make I'm sick noises into this microphone. But if someone gets me laughing, like you're gonna hear, you're gonna. <laughs> It's going to cough is going to come right out and uh, you're going to feel the brunt of it. I'm sorry. All right. So this is just going to be this is just going to have to be a very serious episode. Yes. No comedy. Nothing funny. First topic is going to not be funny at all. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Let's get into that. Uh, Tyreek, your topic is octopodes continued. Yeah. Well, it's continued because I think like way, way back, maybe towards the start of your podcast, I heard you. Uh, uh, talking about octopodes, octopuses, octopodes, octopi with someone. I, I just wanted to talk about them again because I really love octopuses. They're one of my favorite animals. It's been like three years. So yeah, we could bring them up again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no laughing. I, I'm not sure what the statute of limitations on topics is. But <laughs> but yeah, and so I, they were especially on my mind because I think, was it earlier this year or late last year or something? I saw an article talking about octopus farming. Uh, and how, like, you know, people like to eat octopuses uh, for some reason. And so, like, you know, people have, have made various attempts to farm them over the years. But the problem is they're super smart. They're very smart animals. And so they very it's like hard to keep them contained. And also uh, they I guess they get depressed or something and start self-harming and like tearing off their own tentacles and stuff like that. Jesus. Uh, which is, you know. Uh, uh, I think a reasonable response if you find out you're being farmed and have an awareness of anything of, of yourself. Of yeah, I mean, thing. they're supposed to be pretty smart and people will also like, wasn't, wasn't there a study where like people, even people who said that they would pay money to not be, to not get shocked would, if placed in a room alone with a button that shocks them, <laughs> would eventually just shock themselves from out of boredom. Just for stimulation, mm. yeah, that's that's unsurprising. I, honestly, I, I kind of feel 
like a broken record, but not a broken record. What's less repetitive than a broken record, but like more repetitive than uh, a sing than than a a, a Bozeman brain or whatever? Choking faucet. <laughs> it's a, a neighbor that keeps playing the same Michael Bolton CD. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I feel like that's me because I feel like a lot of my topics end up coming back to like animal cognition and that sort of thing. Sure. Because it's just a very interesting and fascinating thing to think about. But uh, I I really like octopuses and I kind of want – if I was a mad scientist, I would be – like what my project would be to uh, like extend the lifespan of octopuses so that they live long enough to develop culture and teach each other things. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so they can invent Twitter. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How long do they live? I don't think they live very long. It's I think a couple it's of years. Like a, yeah, it's just like a, just a, a couple, couple years, years, a few years max, um, which I th- which is like I've, I've read that that might be part of like their short lifespan might be part of why they haven't developed these like things that, that more long lived uh, these like aspects of culture that more long lived species do tend to is just because like they're they, they just don't last long enough to, to develop that kind of infrastructure that you would see in like, for instance, an elephant or or whales and that sort of thing. Uh, but they, but they're they ha- they otherwise like have the potential bra- like brain capacity to to do so. My son's been learning about them a bunch for school. He's the, you know like the sixth grade, and they're really smart. It's kind of terrifying. Yeah, I've seen a bunch of videos on them now. At this point, you know what I mean. He just keeps like learning about them. And to be honest, like we don't eat dolphins, right? Uh, no, um, and dolphins. Or, no. Do we eat dolphins? Well, Americans don't. Yeah. Okay. Do other cultures eat dolphins? I kind of thought you don't. Like, I thought that was like a no-no. For any given culture in the world, like, like I feel like there's someone who will eat something that, like, there's, you know, a oh. uh, 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 whale. I think, like, people eat whale, right? And whales are also supposed to be hyper-intelligent. People eat dogs. Dogs are very intelligent. Pigs are also very intelligent, but for some reason, that's not weird. According to factsaboutfood.com, yeah. in Japan and Peru, dolphin is considered a delicacy. Sure. Sea pork. Sea sure. <laughs> pork. Is that what it's called? Uh, in Peru, it's apparently chancho marino. I guess I was thinking like from, from the dolphin standpoint of them being really smart, like, and, and I think a lot of people recognize that, that I assumed you could kind of go laterally and say octopuses are also super smart. Let's not, let's stop eating them. I like it. Once you make that argument, if you get near pork, then I'm going to have to say, nope, that's a stupid argument. Never mind. <laughs> Yeah, is that, that's 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 like the argument that I've heard before is like I've, like the reason we don't eat certain animals is because if certain animals are just too smart to eat, and I'm like that doesn't track if you apply it universally. Yeah, I sure. feel like we eat a lot of smart animals or animals that we don't uh, th- that are smarter than we give them credit for. Well, no, I, yeah, I, I think like we eat the animals that are extremely convenient to farm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like you said, if you can't farm them. We've we've seen so many watched so many videos on octopuses getting out of puzzles and traps, um, but then also a whole bunch of them on how they watch you and like make eye mm. contact and and play games with the people looking inside the tank, like to the point that I don't think it's coincidence in terms of what the octopus is doing in response to what the person's doing. They they seem to like like monkey style. They're having fun with you, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, like it's fun. yeah. If you, yeah. I mean, I've I've been to a few zoos in my time. I don't mean to brag. Uh, <laughs> most animals don't give a shit about the people watching, right. but yeah, but exactly. ape, apes, but a handful apes do. do. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a marker as to how smart something is. Like if you 
can recognize another creature that's and don't just instantly think predator prey you know what i mean and like freak out yeah and kind of recognize i'd like a self-awareness with an ape of like you can tell they're bored in there man and the zoos it sucks yeah like they're just sitting around you know what i mean they know they're just sitting around they're just like waiting for something interesting to happen yeah yeah and and sometimes they're making something interesting happen like i i um one of my favorite moments at a zoo was someone was like at like looking into the the I think it was a chimpanzee enclosure, uh, and one of the chimps just ran at him and punched the glass right where his face is, mm. <laughs> and he kind of fell backwards, and then the chimp ran away. And that was like that was clearly like this animal is playing with us or pranking us, even like uh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, well, like it's cool yeah. for the animal. It's like the rest of the part, the rest of it sucks. Where like <laughs> it's stuck yeah, in yeah. there and needs to find this way to entertain itself. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, it's kind of weird. It's like if you, you know, if you think of the zoo and so then you think of um, best case scenario, we keep the animal enclosed, but we try to take care of its every need. Right. And we make sure it's pleasant and we make sure it's not like lying in its, you know, feces or anything gross like that. So everything's cool. Yeah. It just can't leave. Is is that it needs to be inter- you need to give it like a Atari twenty six hundred or something in there like <laughs> well you know like yeah so it's, uh, what I was getting close to is like is that universal income for humans like we're just <laughs> we don't have anything to, to to quote do like we don't want to have a job where you can just sit around I mean I always like the concept of it but you know this is the I, problem with like every utopia is like what what are you going to actually do. What do you do? Like, what if the robots do everything? I feel like people can be self-motivated, though. Like, I feel like, yeah. like if you, if you want to make something, if you have the means to make it, you're more likely to make it than if you just, if you're, like, struggling to get by. Yeah, people are, people are motivated to make art, to create. Yeah. In, under capitalism, that, that need to make art gets hopelessly entangled with, like, well, you're making art so you can make money with the art. Or at least so you can like share it with people, and it, it might take a couple of generations to disentangle that, and to yeah. get get back to just like, no, I'm making art because I'm a person, and that's what people do. Right. Like making art doesn't need to be useful. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. No, I like uh, Kurt Kurt Vonnegut. I think you said something about how like don't worry about being it being good. You know what I mean? Feel free to make things. They don't have to be good. You don't have to immediately try to sell the, the thing. Yeah. So what, what that brings me back to the zoo and to the uh, to the octopus farming, like are they just bored? Is that you know is that the problem? What do they need? Like, do we need to put things in there? I mean, I'm sure we need to not keep them in a cage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, but I, part of me wonders if like the ideal scenario for like a zoo is basically to make a holodeck for the animals that's indistinguishable from what their life would be like in the wild. You know. Where it's like, okay, we, we, you know, we have this creature. It is technically in an enclosed space, but we've designed the space so well that it, like, feels it like it feels as though it's just in the wild. Like, what would they be doing in the wild anyway? They would be, like, hunting and, like, playing, I assume, and, you know, like, doing all this and that. But, but on one hand, it's like, okay, we want to replicate that environment because that's its natural environment. But on the other hand, it's like, should we replicate that environment? Because maybe it's stressful being a wild animal. Yeah. And like, do we want them to, just, <laughs> do we want them to, ha- to have the same stresses as they would in nature? Or do we want them to just have a chill, cool time? You know? I mean, I think this is, um, 
this is back to the same thing before, which is we're we're taking away their work, mm. which is uh, living and hunting and trying to survive. And so now they don't have that. But then I think we didn't give them, you know, paintbrushes or <laughs> whatever it is, because because they they still have fun. Like the monkeys still have fun. Yeah, they play. Yeah, they they play. But right. the food goes plop 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 and lands in front of them. Yeah, I mean, they never they, need- they never migrate. They never need to build or anything. You know what I mean? Like they yeah, never. We need we need to figure out how to make video games for octopuses because like that's I feel like that's what games <laughs> are is, is a way to like yeah exactly uh, a way to you know give you the feeling of accomplishing something of accomplishing work uh, without all the st- yeah. stresses and downsides of it or at least like the 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 safety nets there yeah right 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 and so you're not losing seriously but it's still engaging we need to invent uh an octopus psychologist to study <laughs> first we need to study what what do they actually want what do they enjoy what parts of their existing life do they like and what could they do without then we need to go to the ga- a game designer with that idea <laughs> the the other thing that i that i really like about octopuses and and like find so fascinating about them is like everybody like recognizes that oxi- octopuses are like an intelligent animal but Part of me is like, okay, this is like very much human projection, but like, what are their ethics like? Like if they were to develop and like, like, like I mentioned, like if they were to develop a culture, how recognizable would it be to us? Because they they just seem like such an alien thing, you know, where it's like with a monkey or an ape or something, you can see like, you know, the hierarchies of their, of their social structure. And with a lot of other like vertebrate animals, you can like draw parallels and that sort of thing. But I feel like octopuses are just so like, they're almost like alien, you know, they're like not even in the same like branch of, of evolutionary tree once you get, get, get past like being an animal. I don't know. That's I feel like that's part of like what I was like if I was a supervillain because I don't know if they would have recognizably human desires and wants and needs as opposed to just being like, "Hey, I'm smart now. Let's, you know, let's be monsters <laughs> to, to everyone." <laughs> uh, so Tyreek, I have a present for you. Um I just heard a news uh, bit on uh, NPR today mm-hmm. about octopuses. Mm-hmm. In a new study, they're very certain that this one these, these octopuses were intentionally throwing things at each other now okay. was it fun or was it to hurt them but ethically that sounds like a jerk move to me so <laughs> they or they were dropping things on another that was it it was picking them up and dropping them on another octopus oh so yeah Maybe, were they like bullying one octopus or something it kind of sounded like it so oh. it's funny that you said ethics you know about this alien species so um it sounds like they're having a good time it, <laughs> There's also, um, I guess, like before we move on, uh, there's there's a, a book uh, that I kind of wanted to recommend that was recommended to me. It's part two of a trilogy, but like sentient octopuses feature heavily in it. Children of Time and Children of Ruin uh, by Adrian Tchaikovsky. Tchaikovsky. <laughs> and that's a that's a that's one title. That's not two books. Well, no, yeah, that's two books. So I think Children of Time is the first one, which doesn't have octopuses in it. Spoilers. Okay. Uh, and then Children of Ruin <laughs> is the is the sequel, which does. Do you do you need to read the previous one to read the octopus one? I think so. Yeah, they, they're kind of they're, mm. like it it, sure. it. it builds on it. They're 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 good books, basically about like uh, uh, terraforming experiments gone awry uh, and trying to like 
replicate human sentience, but then the sentience ends up taking taking root in basically the wrong species. That's cool. Yeah, it's 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 the, the, I, I like them a lot. I think the I think the third book actually just came out like a month ago or something like that, and I haven't read it yet. But uh, recommend recommend those. And the the thing that I liked about like the octopuses in like the way they're portrayed is like they they kind of retain that sort of unknowability in their intelligence and like the first contact is just the people being extremely confused as to how they are even supposed to communicate with these uh crazy uh creatures that sounds cool yeah are we ready for another topic sure yep nathan your topic is my wife and i are both teaching our son to drive with separate lessons it's going okay but with bumps he's 15 um he's very motivated to be able to drive on his own I wasn't as a kid. Um, like I did not care. I don't know why I didn't care. So is this is this geography? Like, do you now live in a place where you need to drive to get anywhere interesting, whereas you didn't before? No, it's opposite, man. Like I lived on the countryside. Like I and, and I would need to drive everywhere to be anywhere interesting. But um, I don't know why. It was like it seemed like I think maybe if I if I imagine why it was responsibility. Like now I would be. Have, maybe I would have to do things <laughs> if I had this ability. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? Like I, I would now be given errands. Maybe that's how I subconsciously I just put it off and didn't want to do it. But I also had a friend that um, had a Camaro. And so he would just swing by and pick me up and we go off to the mall. Oh, there you go. So I was just like, I was just like, why would I? He does it. Yeah. The division of labor makes sense. I, I, I knew somebody who, the smartest guy I ever met when he was a kid, he was insistent that he shouldn't have to learn to read because his older siblings knew how to read and what like division of labor. He can, he can be an expert in something else. <laughs> That's amazing. That's just sensible. <laughs> and like, because I don't know if you've noticed this phenomenon, but like really smart people, you can't talk them out of shit because they're too smart. <laughs> they're too good at arguing. Yes. I oh, have yeah. noticed that. Uh, um, okay. So on the driving note, Tyreek, are you married? No. Okay, so it's fine. It's just that there's it's like politics and religion. You don't <laughs> bring up certain things, and so now what says what has happened is when you get a when if you have a spouse, basically you drive differently than the other person. Okay, and most of the time you just don't talk about it, and you and you suffer through the little idiosyncrasies on both sides, right? But now. It's like a third party has been brought into this to the equation, and we're both yeah. giving you know my son directions, and now he's literally um, he's 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 he's, um, he's got to pick a side. Oh my gosh, it's stressful, and he's very analytical and um, kind of direct. Um, I, I don't I don't think he's on the autism spectrum, but he's uh, or whatever we call it now. But he's but he's he just kind of just says, "Mom said do this at the stop sign and pull up closer, and then take the right." And I'm like. Okay, that's a reasonable way to do it. Um, listen, just do it the way I'm saying it right now. <laughs> <laughs> and what's your side of it for, for comparison? So what happens is I'm a very uh, uh, defensive driver, I guess, um, not aggressive. And so um, I'm, I, like I'll tell him, I'll say, pull, and, and we're in a small town here that has, it's big enough to have a lot of, uh, four-way intersections. A lot of just cl- it's very old, and it's just got this big grid, and but it's got kind of messy. Next to 
a highway that once you get over the highway, it's a whole other situation. You know, four lane highway goes a little faster. But um, I'll just say like, he'll kind of like, it's, you know, it'll blow your mind when you guys get into teaching another person how to drive coming from game design. <laughs> and mm. like, if you're watching someone play test your game and you think your game has mechanical depth, and and now you know analog um, input depth. Get forget it. <laughs> you you have nothing on a two thousand or a thousand pound vehicle with a steering wheel and these pedals. Like there is so much insane and, and you know oh, analog. Does he you need know. to learn to work a clutch too? No, fortunately, um, no, not even that. But between the two cars we have, again, game designer, like it's just infinitely fascinating to me. Every time I'm just. I'm now thinking like really carefully about it because your mind has, has left you guys, your mind has left how to drive. Like you don't know this anymore, but even you can experience it though. If you rent a car, because what he's getting into is he doesn't know. Um, he's still developing that um, muscle memory for how hard to push the brakes and how hard to push the gas. Yeah. And so I'll just say like, we're coming up on a stop sign and he's like slowing down way too early it's so minute. It's like it's like facial recognition or something. Like when you know a face is off that someone drew. Like the the fact that he's like one foot back from the stop sign as to where I would say to hit, and I like lose my mind. I'm not yelling at him. We're, we're, it's, it's it's nice and chill, but I just, I just be like, you're you're screaming inside. <laughs> yeah, I'm screaming inside because I'm just like, wow, I can't believe you're stopping there at the stop sign. Like, and he's only like a foot off, but I'm just like, naturally you pull up this spot. And so then. Yeah. Well, it, it actually doesn't matter because you, it affects your sight lines. Well, that's exactly where we're getting into. So then I'm just like, it is about visibility, but I, I told him like, and we've been through this, you know, it's like almost every single intersection in this town has special rules in my mind. And I'm just like, no, this one you pull three foot past the stop sign oh, because you have to see past this weird little overhang. And at this one, um, everything's calm. You'll never have to pull. You can stop exactly at the stop. It's fine. But at this one, never pull past because pull, people pull a hard left past you and will clip you. And they're insane at this one stop sign. Like it's mixed up with traffic and sight lines. It's very complex. And then like whenever he changes cars, one car is older and junkier, but accelerates it's it's got awesome pickup. It's a bad. It's not a good car. It's a Sentra. Um, but our new um, two, Hyundai Tucson. I think the computer is messing with you, and it's trying to do like fuel efficiency and all this nonsense. And so when you push on the gas, it's like, okay, let me think about it. And and you're just like, what? You know what I mean? Like it's 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 very direct with the old Sentra. It just goes yes, gas, and just tries to go as fast as it can. But the the, the Tucson kind of like does a nice. It's not, you know, it's not bad, but it's noticeably um, less responsive. Okay, listen, take a deep breath first, then push the gas pedal. It, it has a breathalyzer to make sure you're breathing right. <laughs> yes, yes. So anyway, it's um, so deep on, in terms of mechanically, like all the little nuance with how far in you can push the, the, the brakes or the gas on both vehicles. Um, and then there's the wiggle in the steering wheel. There's a slight, you know nuance to how much you can move the string wheel before anything happens on one versus the other. Um, and then that's all mixed up with all kinds of traffic rules. He's already memorized all the traffic rules and he's like, and we get to hear about them all the time. <laughs> yeah. I do a rolling stop on almost everywhere 
not dangerous because nothing's happening. But then he stops everywhere, and then he kind of like, I don't say anything, but he goes, "Dad, you're supposed to, you're supposed to stop at every stop sign." <laughs> and I was like, I know, "I know it's fine. I said it's fine. You're doing fine. Keep keep doing that. Like we're not, you know, you don't have to do the rolling stop." So I like your comparison with like 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 the subtleties of like human facial expressions and that sort of thing, where it's just like like some, just slightly off in a way that's hard to articulate, but you like you just feel it somehow, you know. Cause it's amazing. I, it's, I never it's thought of it that so way. Weird. It makes a lot of sense of just like, wh- why'd you, why'd you do that? When you pull up to a stop and you're going to take a right, this is a, in a regular four way intersection. If you pull up to the stop, it turns out, and again, I've never had to articulate this because we don't, we're not traffic coaches or whatever. You know what I mean? We don't care. Yeah. Um, it turns out you pull up and you ease, you start to curve to the right and then you sit at the stop sign. You don't pull up perpendicular. And then take a right because that throws your car way out into the road. You know what I mean? You're already in, you're already turning right gently. And I'm talking about a one lane, like a, you know, real tight, real tiny little old roads. Yeah. So you're already kind of easing into the right. So we had to explain all this and also explain it. We had to like, my wife and I both had to, both had to like think of it. You know, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like, I, I don't, and, and so when he doesn't do it and when he very reasonably pulls up to the stop sign perpendicularly to the road and just stops, we're just like, what are you doing? This is crazy. Like, you know, like, and then we have to suddenly think about all this stuff. And now we're on the same, she and I are both on the same page, but now we're, and now he knows, but it's, um, it's very weird. And also to have to say, okay. And on a left turn, never do that. <laughs> left turn. You have to stay perpendicular to the road. You do not, you do not curve left into the other lane just a little bit. Like we are on the right turns. Anyway, <laughs> it's very weird. It's so much uh, depth to it beyond just the traffic laws. So it is, uh, it is entertaining though. And he drove today going down to town and um, into the bigger towns and he did a good job. We went down some little scary, tiny two lane roads that are really tight with lots of hills, but it's, it's doing fine. How much uh, traffic do you guys get in, in that area? Like, is it, is it, is it a crowded kind of place or is it, is it pretty like easy to get around other cars and that sort of thing? I'd say just enough. Like, um, it's definitely not dead. Like my parents live 20 minutes north of me, um, in a, in a more rural area. And it's, um, they're basically connected to the highway, which is fast, but not a lot of traffic. It's very, you know, it's 60, it's 55, but everybody goes 65 and they drive crazy. But, um, but around where we are, there's enough small towns that there's, there's not too much traffic that it's awful, but there's plenty of traffic to play with. Right. <laughs> you can get plenty of experience and, and like, he and I, he and I will be driving, and I'll say things like, "All right, that guy's an idiot." Um, you know, he's he's cutting this guy off, and we'll talk about what that means. And you know, and I said that person's riding their riding their tail. That's crazy. Do not do that. <laughs> we'll be calling out all kinds of things like that. And, um, so, and I, but I will say, um, per the traffic in our area in, in southern Indiana, um, north of Louisville, um, every time I get back here after visiting Atlanta, I breathe a deep sigh of relief because it's so much easier to drive here i love it so much atlanta's traffic is really busy and terrible and i used to live in los angeles and that was awful too but man i'm so glad i get back home it's so much slower and easier and people are less insane so less aggressive basically yeah driving's hard and stressful (laughs) like like i I feel like i'm kind of where you were where like when i first learned to drive i wasn't that into it it's just kind of like a thing that i had to do because i was like oh, i have to get to 
college somehow. Right. <laughs> but, you know, I didn't learn when I was like a, a, a in high school or anything like that because I didn't need to. And I, I only learned when I had to. And I did it as little as possible because it's it's like one of those things where it's like if I'm driving like I can be it's fine. It'll be fine for a while. And then like a small little thing will happen that'll just ruin my entire day where it's like somebody will like <laughs> cut me off or like like come a little close or like I'll I'll make like a silly mistake or something like that. And it's just like, oh, well, mm, that could have gone very bad. And now I'm going to spend the uh, rest of the day and part of tomorrow feeling awful about everything. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I um. so I learned to drive in my early 30s. Oh, well, yeah. Nice. Nice. And so I actually have a pretty good memory. And I wonder if I'll keep it uh, of of the process of learning to drive. But by the time Winston is 16, I'm not sure how much I'll remember. Mm. Um, hey, self-driving cars, right? Maybe? Ho- hopefully. Ho- well, hopefully something. Hopefully. <laughs> I like, I, <laughs> I, uh, and the reason I didn't learn to drive until that late was that I was just terrified that I would hurt somebody. Yeah. You know, I didn't want the responsibility of, of being in charge of this enormous heavy machinery and, the, and, and maybe hurting something or hurting somebody or destroying something or just just costing myself or my family a lot of money. Yeah. But I am now pretty comfortable doing it and that scares me too. Like yeah. I, I don't want to be <laughs> complacent about it. And yeah, yeah like I've, every once in a while I'll have like a moment like you described where like and by every once in a while I mean like probably every three or four times I go out I'll have like a oh that could have gone way worse moment. Yeah. And it it sucks. It gets to me. Like the the one that I remember, remember most vividly was driving home on October thirty first, and I was driving home through my neighborhood at normal speed, and I realized suddenly suddenly I'm surrounded by children, and mm. none of them are in the road. <laughs> They're on the sidewalk. But I was like, holy shit! I need to be paying way more attention right now. Yeah, yeah. That's that's that, that's happened to me like a couple times where, like you said, like like you get kind of complacent. And it's like, okay, I'm driving a place I've driven before in a way that I've driven before. And, you know, it's just like, oh, you know, kind of get it, like go into like automated mode or whatever. And then suddenly you realize like, oh, no, something's different. And I like missed it or almost missed it or like something, something will happen that will like snap you back into being aware. Yeah. And for me, unfortunately, that sort of thing actually compounds where like if I make a mistake, I'm much more likely to make a mistake immediately after that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I was learning to drive and my like sister's ex was in the car. I was like riding, riding with him somewhere. And I don't remember the exact circumstances, but basically I was like, you know, I wasn't driving at a hundred percent. I was like, you know, it was a new activity to me, still getting used to it and stuff like that. And I was basically, I, I, I uh, expressed to, to him basically uh i'm you know it's kind of anxious I, like you know I, I don't really enjoy this it's it's nerve-wracking this activity you know and he basically said uh yeah it's you you have a you're you're, you're driving around a several thousand pounds of of metal it's very dangerous you like basically he said the worst possible thing that he could have <laughs> that did not put me at ease at all and made me way more anxious 
right. and like made me start driving even in a, worse. In an attempt to be sympathetic. No, no attempt. He he's oh, he's just being like, an I, asshole. I yeah, kind of. Uh, but like, <laughs> but yeah, like like was, I was like, okay, guy, like if that's not helpful at all. You you could have said literally anything else, like okay, just calm <laughs> down and breathe or something like that. But instead, he was like, oh yeah, no, you might kill someone right now. And like essentially, and I'm like, what? Wh- wh- why? Why would you say that? I wasn't there, but my reading on it when he told me the story was that like he was like, oh yeah, I, I've been there. I agree. I understand where you're coming from. Like, and an, in in empathy, maybe it didn't. The delivery didn't come off that way. That's uh, fair. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, I, that 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 moment just kind of sticks in my mind of just being like, like, yeah. You you could have said something else to and been a lot more helpful. <laughs> Jim, when you said you uh, if you make a mistake, you feel like you're going to make mistakes again sometimes when driving, and that made me think of um, uh, playing shoot 'em ups and like I'm doing great. I'm in the third level. I haven't even died yet in you know whatever Gradius Five or some game, and then I die, and then I die again in like 20 more seconds. Well, in Gradius, that's because it's shitty game design. No, no, but a lot of shoot 'em ups. I'll be like super intense about it. Yeah, and then and then you know what I mean. And then I'll do this. I'm dodging bullets. I'm dodging bullets, and I'll do these little circle patterns. And then I'll die. And then I'll be like, and then I'll die. Just start. It's just a chain reaction. It kicks you out of rhythm. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it's awful. It makes me so sad when those happen. Yeah. Anyway, are we are we ready for another topic? Sure. Yeah. So my topic is the most widely used crack for the colonel's bequest. Works by breaking the random num- random number generator. This has wide-ranging effects on the gameplay. So, The Colonel's Bequest is an adventure game made by Sierra, designed by Roberta Williams. It's a detective game where you are... It doesn't have the usual adventure game format, or rather structure, where you are gated from solving puzzles by earlier puzzles. Like, it's more like you're exploring a space and trying to... And, like, talking to people and, and finding clues and trying to solve a murder. And this crack, it's a really clever, just one bite crack that affects um, the uh, the interpreter. So Sierra games are byte code interpreted. If you want to like affect the the crack screen, you um, it's implemented in the byte code, and you would need to like go mess with with that stuff. And probably it would be more complicated than a single byte patch. But if you just patch the interpreter, you can patch the uh, function that you call to get a random number to just always return zero. And this has the effect of in the, on the crack screen, uh, the correct answer to the, 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 um, it's a documentation check. So the game asks you like, whose fingerprint is this? And you're supposed to find it in the manual. And, uh, it has the effect of like, it's always the first person, like where the person, your cursor starts on. So you just hit enter and you're always right. Okay. Yeah. I feel like you're going to get to this, but I'm, curious how much randomness there is in the game in general like is is it like the murder is is randomized or anything like that i don't think the murders the murderer changes but so here's the list i'll I'll link to this in the show notes is a, a blog post about this whole thing which i thought was very interesting but um here's a a bullet point list of some of the things that changes that change when you uh when the random number generator is broken Dead bodies are always in the first place you look. <laughs> Items only appear in the west secret passages. The elevator always starts out downstairs. You are always killed when opening the closet when the killer is active. 
The botched Red Baron Easter egg never occurs. The Southern Bell Easter egg always occurs. You never get carried off by a gator at the front gates. You always see the ghost in the cemetery. The killer always walks by windows whenever possible. Everyone blinks, fidgets, and moves with lifeless constancy. <laughs> uh, so that's a that's a partial list. Uh, it, it really significantly affects the feeling of playing the game and also like the playability of the game. But if you're, if you're, if you're just trying to like make a crack for the game, if you just it, test your crack by like running the game and it seems to run, you can play it for a few minutes. It seems to work like ship it. That's cool. Uh, similar, but different. Um, Serious Sam three. Uh, I don't know if you guys know about the crack on that, but basically after you're, if you get a cracked copy and I can't remember how they detect this, um, Crow Team has it so I think you can play for a while, 20, 30 minutes, and then eventually an invincible red skeleton monster, or scorpion monster shows up Oh, just as a new enemy, and it will kill you. Like, you cannot ever escape. Yeah, that's something they did on purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they did, once they detect the crack, but they, what's, what's cool is they know you're playing the cracked game, and they let you play for a while. And it might be a couple, like two hours. I think it's like enough to make you feel good about it. Right, right. <laughs> but then it just starts to show up, and you'll never. Play. Yeah, the risk you you take when you do something like that is that that might become the game's reputation. Is that like, uh, you know, if, if after half an hour, this impossible enemy shows up, this game is way off. Like <laughs> yeah. the balance is way off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, fortunately, they never they didn't have that problem. What what I liked about it was that, like you said. You thought you cracked it, ship it out, everybody play it, it's good. And yeah, it takes a while to find that, you know what I mean, to have that problem. And the game's like, whatever, 10 or 20 hours long. So right. it, it relatively occurs early, but much further in than you'd think for, you know, something like that. Anyway, um, that's an amazing list of really weird yeah. things in that game. I really like dead bodies are always in the first place you look. <laughs> it brings to mind a number of questions, like how many dead bodies are in the game? How many places are there to look? When you find one, is it because you were explicitly looking in that place for a dead body? Or is it just, I opened a drawer and there was a dead body in there, you know? <laughs> but, but or is more... there like an like an option, that uh, like a text option that says search for dead body and it just always comes up true or something like that, you know? <laughs> uh, I, so I interpreted that as like, uh, you like you can look in any closet or any like any place. There, there's like a bunch of places in the game where you could find a body and there's just a chance that you can view that you find it there. Um, but I think a more interesting interpretation of that phrase is just like, it's a kind of a corollary to when you're looking for something, it's always in the last place you look. Right. Uh, a the thing you're not looking for is always in the first place you look. <laughs> ah. Oh, it's yeah. the opposite. The thing you don't want is you find immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a Murphy's Law sort of version of that. It also sounds like a superpower upgrade to a law law and order game, <laughs> <laughs> like a, like there would be like a paid DLC or a paid you know paid add on. You just yeah, it's a cheat. You just get it. Is there a law and order video game? Oh yeah, there's a bunch. Well, uh, there's there's some you know they're they're kind of like adventure games. Mm. Trying to think, I think I think there was one on the Xbox 360, like a a triple A yeah. law and order game. Did you play? Do you play as law or order? <laughs> well, I know you play the detective stuff. I never cared to get past that. Uh, so. Law and Order Los Angeles. I Wow, that would be really interesting if it was like... So, I mean, the premise of the, the gimmick of Law and Order originally was that uh, you both followed the detectives and then the, the, the prosecutors. 
right. you got resolution. You got to see it go through. Right. You know? Um, and I wonder if the games did that as well. Like first you're playing, you know, a detective game and then you're playing Phoenix Wright or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't um wasn't there that um good like nineteen twenties style detective game like Rockstar was involved or something? I played some of that. That was pretty cool. LA Noir? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. um yeah. that was pretty neat. I, I did enjoy that. I don't think you ever went into the court in that game. True. Okay. Yeah. I know that it was it was a it was a strange that was a, game. That was a because, weird project. Yeah. Like because you didn't you weren't just a nameless detective. It was like you were sort of trying to hang on to this crazy detective. Like you couldn't put your own personality on the detective because he had such a strong personality. You would push the button for doubt, and then he would just go on and on, on a rant at at the, <laughs> at the person you were interviewing. Yeah, it was like a runaway car. Like, you didn't feel like you were in control of that game. Like, you weren't just a generic detective, you know, gumshoe sort of thing, and you were having fun trying to figure out the case. Half the time, I felt like I was having this guy not trying to stop him from a nervous breakdown. It was weird. <laughs> or, like, or hurting somebody, yeah. Yeah. It was a very weird interpretation of a detective And game. then they also just, like, set it in an open-world Los Angeles for no apparent <laughs> gameplay reason. Like, yeah. Like they were, there was one team making the detective game, and then another team made this open world Los Angeles, and they realized, oh, we could do this, we could put these two together. So that's a funny uh, situation. Okay, so uh, this could could be its own topic, but I'll just point say really quickly: Are we past? Are we postmodern on that situation? Which is to say, <laughs> the game design got driven by fun tech. <laughs> Like oh, I, I think that certainly happens all the time still in indie in the indie space. Yeah, because I felt like a lot of games, like just th- just think back to your experience playing Alien Noir, and it's almost laughable how obvious the weird, not good inspiration is for some parts of that game. Where you're just like, you guys, this is not a good part of the game. You just put it in there because you had the ability to. Right. Like it's not it's not a good fit. Like you could have made a better detective game, but instead you just got excited by your tools and your toys here. And it's almost like uh, in a hardware in a tool shed. Like you have all the tools and you're experienced with all of them, and you just use the best ones to make the you know furniture. But instead you get excited because you just got a new drill press, and now. That desk has a lot of holes in it for no reason. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you have a all you have is a hammer, and every every problem looks like a thumb. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the worst case scenario. Anyway, I, I so this this topic, this idea, got me thinking about um, games that where the player can have explicit control over the random number generator, and I don't know if there are any of these. But like, I remember um, wanting to make a, and I never bothered doing this because you know I have. Just ideas and never, never, never do them. Uh, that's me. Uh, for uh, uh, adding a mod to NetHack where you, you could get an item that would allow you to manipulate the random number generator. Or any roguelike, this this could be something so interesting. So this is actually kind of something that I... Catacomb Kids, my game that I'm working on. <laughs> there is... Uh, whenever you level up, you get like access to new abilities. And uh, I haven't made all of these abilities yet, but one of the ones that I have been thinking about adding for a while is an ability uh like like there's six stats in the game and each each stat has like a different set of abilities related to it and for one of the luck abilities i was thinking it would be cool if you get this ability 
And it makes it so that whenever you hit an enemy, or not even whenever you hit an enemy, but like whenever a number pops up from like a damage number, or or like you know, like when you heal and like a five pops up over your head because you healed for five or whatever, there's a chance that that number becomes a physical object that you can then pick up <laughs> and and then like like throw at enemies or like use again, basically like put it in your pocket and be like, I'm going to use this number later for something. That's cool. I feel like that that's that's something that I that I'm kind of planning on on doing. I haven't gotten yeah. around to it yet but but it's kind of in the same sort of sort of mind space i feel like board games do that sort of thing a lot where you know you you can make a die roll and then you have an ability that allows you to re-roll a die right um and when you when you said this i don't know if this is what you meant when you said reuse the five like i i wanted to be able to like what during dungeon generation be like no i don't like that room use this right. five instead yeah, yeah. So that would be interesting. <laughs> well, okay, so like a totally a totally different version would be you grab the five and then later on when something else heals you, but it only heals you for three, you're like, no, I want yeah, five. Yeah, that's, that's kind of more like what yeah, I was thinking along yeah. the lines. Like you've got yeah. it in your pouch and you're like, I have the ability to overwrite numbers, Yeah, you know, of, of note. And maybe there's contextual right. numbers in the game. Just, you know, just a handful of spots where you're like, no, like copy paste. From my um, clipboard, <laughs> yeah, that, that number that I had hiding back there that I really want. So yeah, I really, I really like that idea. It's probably important to do it selectively because, say you you want you tell the random number generator to always roll high, uh, mm-hmm. that could that, that could have really interesting results. But also, it might just break the dungeon generation. Right. Yeah. Not for catacomb kids, at least. I wouldn't be able to do that for the dungeon generation. I don't think because th- I feel like that would require exposing the dungeon to the player at too early of a stage and like part of the game is exploring and that sort of thing so it would be like i have to give you information that you would then use to overwrite the thing that you don't like yeah but anyway it's, it, that, that would be a little weird even if it was just something automatic oh yeah 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 there, there are so many ways that we use random numbers that like maybe this loop never leaves until you roll a zero for example right yes those are those are the worst board games by the way yeah. <laughs> we, we've got some math board game that we used to play with the kids when they were younger and it, it makes me really angry because there's a, a special spot you hop 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 around the board game right until the end and then there's a loop you can get stuck in and you have to like roll an even number or something but only when you land on the last tile to get out it's oh like, yeah oh, <laughs> anyway. yeah the last time oh. i encountered something like that was playing in the game arcade paradise you can play the darts mini game darts works like that fuck darts <laughs> fuck darts man fuck darts <laughs> yes oh so so jenny you were saying is there any game where you can modify the random number generator and i don't know that for sure but i've got the answer that you want i'm ready i'm ready the game shark did you ever get oh, to play sure. with one of those they're so cool man i had a game genie when i was a kid game genie i had a game yes a game genie i, I had on the i got mine still on the sega genesis yeah there. and um loved love there's just yeah fun to be had with that thing like you are you got your fingers in the brain man and you are squishing things and watching <laughs> stuff happen it's nuts like there's lots of garbage but sometimes it's awesome yeah i feel like uh game genie taught me a lot like intuitively about like code density mm. mm-hmm. what do you mean by that so you take a game like super mario brothers uh it's got 32k of code and program program rom including like the map data Mm-hmm. So I wrote a program in QBasic to generate 
a page full of Game Genie codes at random and I printed it out. And then I would go upstairs and just enter these codes in for fun and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And if you do this with Super Mario Brothers, chances are pretty good that you'll see something interesting. Like, I would say, like, you know, you enter a random Game Genie code, like 10, 15% of the time, you'll see something interesting happen on the first level. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a lot, that game is like, is, is so tightly written because it's, it's trying to do a lot with just a little bit of space. Right. It's like recycles. Yeah, a very late era um NES game if you if you only count the NES games without a mapper. So like games that were for the original hardware design, 32K of program ROM, 8K of graphics ROM. Um this was the the swan song of that format before they moved on to the uh, Famicom disk system. Mm. And so it's extremely dense in in terms of like packing a bunch of different kinds of gameplay and a bunch of like like an expansive world into this uh, tiny space. And so if you change any one byte of there, you're, there's a pretty good chance you're going to see the change because a lot of that code runs all the time, like on every level. Right. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Whereas if you do this on most other games, the games that are bigger, the games that are like 256K instead... Uh, I, I'd never found anything interesting in like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, for example. Mm-hmm. And that was me like not having any idea how the Game Genie codes worked because they're encrypted. Like, I don't know why they did this. Maybe to make them feel more like an incanta- incantation <laughs> because it's got like the weird vowels that they that they have you use. Whereas um, a more naturalistic way to do it would have been like, here's... Uh, uh, four hex digits for the address and two hex digits for the byte to put there. Right, go nuts. Right. Um. <laughs> if, and if I had seen that, if I'd understood, if I'd, I, I knew about hexadecimal. I knew about I'd I'd uh, had a Commodore one twenty eight at the time, so I knew about like poking things into memory. If I if I'd seen those those hex values, I bet I would have gotten a lot more out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Did you guys ever play with on um, Sonic the Hedgehog on the Genesis? You could f- get into the like a like a level editor i don't even know how i did that what it came from was it the game genie i don't know what it was but it was awesome i didn't know that that's neat yeah i've never heard it was so cool i I will let you guys know how how i was doing that but as a kid i was like building new levels and it was super cool that is that's actually incredible yeah that's awesome yeah it was super fun i i just remember you kind of like dragged sonic around all the time on the screen and then you picked a tile and then you could just start spamming that tile and just flying around on the screen just pooping it out everywhere you know what i mean but then it was also it 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 was a tile that had code and collision and whatever it did it was a blast you could just put monitors everywhere you could you know have sections of rolling it could you could make it really crappy where like the rolling stunk because it was needed smoother motion to it and you would just keep catching i don't know it was awesome i don't know how i got into that i have to look i haven't thought about that in a long time or what that even was but what that makes me think of is um the Odyssey 2, which was a game console like comparable to the Atari 2600. Uh, so the 2600 had a game called Basic Programming, which implemented a, believe it or not, like a basic interpreter uh, on that system, which was ridiculous. That's cool. The Odyssey 2 had a game called Computer Intro, uh, which was a similar idea, but went in a very different direction with it, where when you plugged the cartridge in and ran it, what you got was a hex editor. And the hex editor let you put values into RAM, and then there was a command to like 
jump to that address that you were putting values into, like the transfer execution into that RAM. That was the whole cartridge. <laughs> What'd you do with it? And the manual was, here's how to program this CPU, and here's how to program the Odyssey 2 graphics hardware. And it was just like... That's so weird. <laughs> Like, could you save your anything? Nope, you can't save. There's oh 64 bytes of RAM. Now I'm, now I'm looking at a bunch of different uh, uh, Odyssey uh, uh, game art, and they all just consist of stuff flying towards you. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Classic move. You should like look that. up the, the box art for basic programming for the 2600. Or what, what, actually, what was it called that? Yeah, I think so. Oh, oh yeah. I think I've seen this before. It's like a, a guy... Oh yeah, in in a cockpit. Yeah, who's like doing yeah, so I've much? Seen that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He looks like the the actor from Das Boot. Das Boot. <laughs> I can't remember that dude's name. Like Jorgen or something like that. Crutch now. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they just painted over something. Just, I think they aped, they aped his face, man. He looks like he's <laughs> that's it, Jorgen Crutch now or whatever it was. The Odyssey Two is a fascinating. I, I find it fascinating. Like most of the games, so they were like. 50 games that came out for that thing and they were it wasn't a it wasn't a big success like Magnavox was about to discontinue it uh but someone who worked at Intel it was like they were like a good customer for for this one microprocessor and this guy was like well if they're about to discontinue the Odyssey 2 how about if like like his idea as far as i could tell was that he he convinced the people his employers at Intel that he could keep the Odyssey 2 on the market and keep this system selling so they could sell more processors by making games for it. And so like they agreed and then he he made like a game a month for the next two years and they were all like best sellers. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he so he ended up writing like half of the system's library. Hmm. Completely ridiculous. That's amazing. I want to go read about that now. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, Ed that's, Averett, Averett with an A. Okay. Put it in the show notes for sure. Yeah, yeah just, that's really cool. What a what a weird thing. And but but like the system didn't it didn't actually keep the system on the market. It was still a failure. But like it sold really well to the existing customers. It's uh, <laughs> really neat. I'm just looking at more Odyssey Two box art. <laughs> I should make the Odyssey Two be a topic because I just want to talk more about the Odyssey Two now. <laughs> you should do that. You, yes, it's your show, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, can, how about we skip the poem because I want to talk about Nathan's topic on the other side of it, and we sh- should stop talking soon. Okay, sure. Uh, Nathan, your topic is how are we going to fix the camera in Mario Odyssey? So I'm late to the party. I finally played through the game. I finally bought a Switch and played through the game. And I bought the Switch, obviously, to play Nintendo games. Of course. Um, because I, I, I mean, I'm I, not, not trying to open up a new can of worms as to whether or not we should have system exclusives, but I think we should. Otherwise, why do we have a system? Why is any system different from anything else? It makes me sad that there's not system exclusives that much. But 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 there's, so there's a handful. Why well, have video game platforms? Why well, well, would just have one video game platform? I don't know. Anyway, so there is a couple. There's a couple. It's exclusive on the Switch, and so I got it for Mario Odyssey, and I got it for Metroid Dread, um, and a handful of other things, and some indie games that I think haven't released elsewhere. Elsewhere, um, but uh, finally, I played all the way through Odyssey, and and it was initially 
I was in love, and I've played most of the Mario games, the, the mainline ones. You know, I just, I love Mario games. They're so fun, and the level design is incredible, usually, and I, it's just, there's such a blast to play. Um, I love just the original level design and the wild situations they put you in. So, as Odyssey went on, I felt like the camera was not helpful and kind of felt like an afterthought um, in a lot of situations. Like it, it did not get as much love as it has in the past. Basically, I don't feel like I can plant Mario physically in 3D where I think I'm going to. Especially when I'm in midair, I don't feel in control. And I can't decide. Let me ask you guys this. If A, do you feel that way? Um, B, have you played Mario? Or switch those. And then C, like Odyssey. And then C, like... Is this an issue with his new abilities and speed? Or is this a 3D camera issue where I can't perceive where I'm going? I was I was going to say, is this not just the issue that 3D games have been struggling with basically since they started existing? So the, the exception to this is the two Mario Galaxy games. And I think this was actually like part of the design. Like part of the reason that they built the game around planetoids was to fix the camera problem. Because in Mario Odyssey, the terrain never gets in the camera's way because the terrain is always like this tiny compressed thing. That's a great... I, I never thought about it like that, Jim. That's really cool because I loved Galaxy 1 and 2. Galaxy 2 was harder and I don't even think I finished it, but I loved him. But um, I never thought about that. But I don't want to take away from anything else you want to say about Galaxy because I think that was a fascinating point. But I will say Cat Mario, whatever the hell that was, 3D... I thought that one was awesome also. I loved it. And I never felt quite as frustrated in that game as I did in Odyssey. Odyssey. Yeah, well, and that was um, that was New Super Mario Brothers. Wait, no, that was Super Mario 3D World. There you go. The 3D World on the Wii U. On the Wii U. Yep, that is I also, that I think, the level design is built around the idea of, like, never make the player think about the camera. It's so good. Well, it, it is. It's well done, but... It's not a, you're not exploring a three exploring a three D space in the way you are in Odyssey. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I haven't played three D World, but uh, like I, I've been meaning to for a long time. But everything I see of it, it looks like like a lot more fixed camera perspective sort of situation, or like yeah. like basically where it's like like yeah, it's, it just seems like 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 less of less of a like like over the shoulder behind you running around sort of thing, and more like a the camera's over here looking at this specific direction, and the levels were all planned around the camera being here looking in this specific direction. Yeah, yeah, I, th I think it's much more like a yeah, it's much more like a compromise between two D and three D. Yeah, that's true. I think it's. Yeah. I still think it's an excellent game. I feel like oh, you're it playing. Is. It's Absolutely. so neat. Because you're playing in like a diorama. Yep. It's so wild. Like you're looking into this little shoebox of fun, <laughs> you know? And I guess that... That game is great. I guess that's it. Yeah, I guess that's it about Odyssey is it's just a full-blown 3D platformer. It's, it's trying. It's it's solving a much harder problem and having... Yeah. I, I don't know if you know this, but I've been playing through the Mario series on YouTube recently. Mm. Um, I know you played a bunch of 64, which I have not been back to in years. So I can't remember it as well. You know what I mean? Like if it the the sixty four is the one that I just finished in YouTube time, but in my time and in, in like real time, I've recorded like eight games more. Uh, mm. So and scheduled wow. those out like uh, to release one level a day. So I've been playing the basically I've I've played 
I've, I've sampled at least uh, the whole 3D Mario series recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can say pretty um, definitively that Odyssey has the best camera of the relevant games, which are uh, 64 and Sunshine. Mm. See, I was going to go back to Sunshine and just to see, was I like more lenient, more excited? Am I just confused? Yeah, I mean, I just, yeah. I, I think Sunshine's camera has has its problems. 64's camera has huge problems. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, like, you know, it was like literally one of the first 3D platformers. Right, so. right. Yeah, they were still still figuring out everything. My, like, my, my other thought about Odyssey is I feel like he – is he more heavy than normal? Like, there's, it feels like so much momentum to him now. Versus Galaxy? yeah. Like, or, or any of the past, like, 3D World, even, the Cat Mario um, game, because I never feel like, I feel like it takes him forever to kind of, he feels like, I'm, I feel like I'm driving a truck. That's interesting. I hadn't noticed that. He feels really heavy, and it's super cute, but I feel like the reaction time, uh, I feels like double, like, half the speed. I feel like double slowness, <laughs> I was going to say. I just feel like I know he can do a flip move and all kinds of stuff like that. I get it, but um, I feel real squirrely. Like he's really wiggly, and I, I'm I'm just like, would you just stop for a second? Like I want to <laughs> scream at it, scream at him after a while. You know what I mean? And I just like I don't know if I felt so out of control in Sunshine. You know what I mean? Like I, I feel like he was a little bit more responsive, basically. Like you press forward, he goes. I know he's always got head momentum, but he feels really sluggish in this one somehow yeah I, I can't speak to that i haven't noticed that sort of thing i'm playing it i'm playing it right now <laughs> which one odyssey or yeah, what odyssey because because you made me curious well so so wiggles spin the circuit spin the, the the movement around like on the left stick drive around and i feel like i can easily get kind of lost trying to do something i mean he, and he, also he can't quite turn on a dime um but i don't, I don't feel particularly out of control or anything like he's 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 doing all the stuff that I want him to. Yeah, I mean the the Mario controllers are always they always have a little bit of momentum to them. Right, right. Okay, I think Tyreek then what you're saying was right about how it's, you know, a classic 3D platformer problem. Mm. I will just say I think Odyssey and now this is pretty normal in any game that once you get to the extents of the game, like you start pushing into challenges the game is putting towards you that I don't think they should have. And that's a common problem in all kinds of games. I'm sure I've done it in my own games where I was good enough at the game and I knew the design, the level I was putting into the game. And I and I thought it was a good idea and I thought it was a fun challenge. I think there's challenges in Odyssey that are stupid. I agree. <laughs> I think I think it goes too yeah. far. And I think they're 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 uh, they're against the camera. The, the camera is the biggest problem where you cannot. They did not give you the tools to see what the hell is going on in that game. And they said, hey, wiggle through here and go really fast and then turn turn this way. And it's just like, man, the camera is lagging. I, I mean, uh, it's not first frame rate. It's just now I've got to also manipulate the stupid camera while I'm trying to touch all kinds of other buttons. Yeah, I mean, that, that is part of the – that's part of how you get good at the game though. It's like you it, – part of it really is getting good at manipulating the camera. That sucks. <laughs> that's that's fair. If you, if that's not I think that's you a want stupid to do. thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to get good at the camera. I want to have fun jumping and trying to do cool <laughs> challenges. <laughs> But I don't know. It's 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 really interesting to me. So um, I recently was was uh, visiting visiting my family and my my niece and nephew. Uh, where I, like I brought my Switch with me, and they don't really play that many games as as far as I understand. Um, and this is something that I've noticed both with like 
the young kids, but and 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 something that also like older people like my dad does when he plays the game or when he plays video games and stuff is it seems like everybody has trouble controlling the camera <laughs> like like they forget yeah. about it and then they have to stop moving and then reorient the camera before they can start acting again well this is why the new super mario brothers games were such a, such a huge hit is like right suddenly it's the, the mario game that like your dad can play everyone can play them yeah. right yeah, yeah it was awesome and that's why they were that's what they were trying to get back to with uh, 3D world it felt like it. I mean, it was. It, I love 3D World. It was great. And I, there is stuff in Odyssey I adore. I mean, I think I love the new things you change into. The little bird with the pecking beak and the little centipede. Those things are awesome. And there's some super fun stuff in there. Um, I think I'm just angry and frustrated <laughs> that I feel shut out of more fun levels than mm. they offered me because I can't enjoy the levels because now it takes a new skill which I've neglected, which is camera control. And I've gotten so far in the game and I'm so good as an old person playing games. You know, I mean, I've been playing these games for years. I feel like I'm getting left behind and I shouldn't be. You know, it's like I've got the toxic fandom or something where I'm just like, (laughs) hey, I'm a fan of this game. I've always loved Mario games. Why are you making this new stupid thing? You know what I mean? Be (laughs) Be so important in your fun levels. Like... I think there's levels that are the challenge is high, but then also the camera manipulation is equally high. And I just say, nope, not playing that one. And it makes me sad because I I feel like I left some of the game on the table, basically. Well, that's that's something you can do with Odyssey. Like you can finish that game getting like 120 moons or something like that. And presumably, like if you're if you're not a completionist like me, you can be satisfied with that. Yeah, I think I stopped at about uh, 450 or something like that. I know there's something at 500, and I don't know if I'll get there. It was fun, though. Oh, yeah, at 500, you unlock an even harder level. Sorry, I'm, I'm playing the game right now, and I, I'm i wondering if my niece and nephew saved over my game, because I had definitely Uh-oh. had it completely beat. <laughs> uh, I didn't have all the, all the you know, I didn't collect oh, all the moons or anything, brutal. but I just, you know, I you know made it to the final level and all that. Uh, and now, yeah. now I'm, I don't see any of my stuff anymore, so... <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not that mad about it. They... You know, it's it's fine. You, you know, you're you know about the interface to change save files. Oh, maybe that's just what I'm not not seeing. Okay, that's 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 fine then. I'm, I mean, even even if they had deleted it, I wouldn't be that upset. Uh, but I probably just need to change saves then. I think Odyssey is fantastic. I still think the joy is there. I just love the original design. It just oh, it's so good and so many little you know spots in the game. The level design and some of the character design, yeah. some of the mechanics you get. I just think it's fantastic. Yeah, Odyssey is um, is a is a gem and, and the, the 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 3d exploration the true 3d exploration that that we're talking about here requires a free roaming camera and it's as good as i've ever seen in one of these games and it still sucks <laughs> i yeah. think that i think okay i'm gonna offer you a really easy fix and it has been done in other games and i'm frustrated it's not in this game which is just let the camera go through things sometimes and let you see and make that part transparent. I think don't they do that? No, absolutely not. No, yeah. It's, so it's, you, it's you probably can, up against walls. The camera bangs around into things all the time, and it makes me want to scream because I'm just like, <laughs> you guys, that's been solved. Like that is a very reasonable thing to do. I don't know why you don't let it just swing freely and shine through. You I know thought, what I mean? Like, I, I, you, I seem to remember there being this effect where like the objects that are close to the camera get dithered out. That's true. That happens. That, 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 you're talking about trees and some rocks and stuff like but that. But not and like terrain you, that you collide yeah, with. When you're in tight spaces, 
It's stupid. Like, <laughs> it's just how did anyone play this and say, oh, fun. I can't see what's happening. Like, <laughs> it's just garbage. There's there's definitely levels that just I'm very sad about, like, that they did not, that they thought that was okay. You know, it's just like, first of all, been solved. Secondly, not fun. <laughs> Like I hate not seeing what I'm doing. It's really interesting to me, like hearing you, like 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 express such a complaint about this, because like I think I'm just used to cameras, like in 3D games now. Like like they've been the norm for most of my life, and most of the games that I play have been like 3D third person sort of things. And so like at this point, like unless the camera is like excessively bad. I just don't even notice it. And so it like 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 I was mentioning earlier like like whenever uh, my uh, my niece and nephew or my dad play games and they like always struggle with the camera. To me it's like it's such a strange thing to see because it's like second nature to me whenever I'm playing literally any game, a game I've never played before, my brain just knows what to do to manipulate the camera in order to be able to see, you know, like aside from like a very early like learning curve maybe to to like if I'm playing a new game. Uh, but other than that, like, like once I get past like the the first like couple levels of, of of a game, usually like that part of my brain just turns off and it becomes completely automatic. It's a it's a foreign language that you need to learn, and you you can spend a lifetime learning it. It's the same deal with uh with WASD and mouse controls for first person shooters. Mm, like yeah. I mm. I remember when Portal came out, I tried to show that game to a lot of people because I thought like this is pretty accessible, like it's nonviolent, interesting puzzles. Like, you can proceed at your own pace. And the people who hadn't played first-person shooters just could not do it at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've definitely played some 3D platformers. And I guess what I would say is I would like to think that Nintendo saw the best versions of everything and implemented them. And I still mm-hmm. feel like it's lacking. And I guess what I'm saying is you've got the best minds there. And that's what we came up with. Which is to say, I think the camera could still be improved. I'll, I'll dig around. If I can find them, I'll find you better cameras. And so that's what makes me sad is that there's not a, the best camera in Odyssey. That's what makes me sad is that they've got great designers there and it could have been better. Yeah, it really is. It's it's, it's almost as important as the character controller. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It started to expose itself, like, say, halfway through the game to me. That they were requiring actions and challenge that was requ- that of me that was now requiring some intense movement and asking things of the camera I thought were kind of ridiculous. Um, so if I find something, if I find a good example, I'll send it to you guys. Same. Yeah. I, to, I'd be curious. I'd be curious. Cause that like, I would like to like compare it to like, how would I handle this situation? Right. And I, and, and like you say in Tyreek, you know, you're like a natural, you know, you're just used to using the camera and I, I understand that. And so I just know that there's some levels in that game I'll be playing and it's like, uh, the old timey cartoons where they get the smoke, you know, steam <laughs> comes out of their ears, and they, and the, the, like a red line starts building up their body until it reaches their top. That's what it feels like with me, and I'm just like, I I could punch the TV right now. What is happening to me? You know what I mean? I'm so angry, and I think it's because of that situation where I feel like I've not been given the game has not been fair to me. Yeah, and then you get really hungry, and the TV looks like a pork chop. <laughs> it's floating, and then I reach and pull, pull the pork chop out of my floating bubble thought, and I eat it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Nathan, you've played. You've spent a lifetime playing video games. You need to spend another lifetime playing video games with 3D cameras in them, and then you'll, you'll just be good. You'll be good at it. <laughs> exactly. 
that's, uh, that's all the time. That's all the time we have for topic lords. All right, that's a good ending. Uh, Tyreek, is if this is something that you want, where can people find, uh, find you on the internet? <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Forbit Friday. Oh, is that? Do you think that's still going to be there in a, well, in a I'm month? A, I was, I'm also <laughs> I'm also on co-host at Forbit Friday, although I haven't posted anything, and I'm also on Mastodon at Forbit Friday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm on Instagram at Forbit oh, Friday. Shit. Find me. I'm just Forbit Friday everywhere. Uh, if if Twitter is is imploding and eating itself, then look for me elsewhere. That's totally fine. Uh, I can't promise how active I will be in those other places because I feel like most of my Twitter is retweeting other people, and I have to like build up a new catalog of people to sh- share about uh, as opposed to posting my own stuff. But anyway, yeah, that's 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 those are the places you can find me. Uh, and uh, Nathan, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? I'm uh, Mommy's Best Games. I'm uh, I'm on Twitter still, and um, I do have a Discord with a handful of people. And I'm not on anything else. Uh, let's see here: Facebook, YouTube. I'm on those. So look for Mommy's Best Games and uh, buy my shoot 'em ups, <laughs> please. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you if you did. Thanks so much for being on. Thank you. Yeah, it was awesome. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. This episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it, or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com, and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!